No one is immune to difficulty and disappointment. Unfortunately, pain is an equal opportunity offender. The question is, how do you respond? How do you respond during those challenging times of life? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in this special Easter edition of the Full Life Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Full Life Podcast by Grace Church, where we hope to inspire, challenge, and clarify your next steps in faith. I'm David Lawson, and we are continuing in our series on the last day, last days, last hours of Jesus' life in preparation for Easter. And uh, we're talking during the series about the historical settings of the events that were included in Jesus' last days and last hours. But more importantly, what we're trying to hone in on is the, the uh, spiritual significance of every one of those events. You know, we all go through tough times. Uh, none of us is immune to difficulty or heartache or disappointment. Pain is an equal opportunity <laughs> offender, as it were. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing an event during Jesus' last day that will teach us how to respond during the challenging times of life. And again, Pastor Bob Federhoff, our pastor of development here at Grace, will be joining me, and uh, as we, uh, as he has, will be throughout this entire series of podcasts as we prepare ourselves for Easter. Thanks again, Bob, for joining us for this one. Glad to be here. In our last podcast, we had this great conversation about the Last Supper, and it's an event that probably a lot of people only are recognized because of Leonardo da Vinci's painting, but uh, we we went to the scripture, we talked a little bit more, a lot more actually, about the significance of that last meal and uh, the lessons, the spiritual lessons that Jesus was trying to convey to us about it. Um, and so, that was a very significant event. Uh, and if you happen to miss the last episode uh, on The Last Supper, I encourage you to go back and to listen to it. I think it'll be an encouragement to you. But today we're going to turn our attention to a second event leading up to the cru- crucifixion. Uh, Matthew tells us that, that after the Last Supper, that Jesus led his disciples to a place out of the upper room and led them to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, yeah, and the Garden of Gethsemane is a place that is, again, very well known uh, for those who are interested in the Holy Land and uh, who visit the Holy Land. Um, it's actually today, at, um, what is left of the Garden of Gethsemane is largely located at the base of the Mount of Olives, mm. um, just across the Kidron Valley from the Temple Mount. Uh, it's not a very big area, frankly. It's pretty small, um, but there are uh, several, in fact, a, a number of very, very old trees, hmm. um, olive trees that are there, um, probably not dating to the time of Christ. They might be um, 1,000, 1,500 years old, maybe mm-hmm. not quite to the time of Jesus, but still, uh, they. this is the location uh, in this general vicinity is the voca- location where the Garden of Gethsemane would have been in the time of our Lord. Also located in that same area is a church, a very well-known church that was built by many of the nations of the world. It's actually called the Church of All Nations. Mm-hmm. And as you go in, you can look up at the ceiling and see the, the different uh, emblems of the nations that helped to build that church. And it's located also in, the, in today's Garden of Gethsemane. But 
just down the street from that very familiar location and around the corner, you can actually go into a, a place that I really love to take people. Hmm. It's uh, a place that is a cave. You hmm. go down a few steps to visit a cave, and it's very likely the place where Jesus went to pray with his disciples hmm. and where Jesus found his disciples sleeping. For instance, we read in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus went to this place and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, mm-hmm. yet not my will, but yours be done. And during that time, his disciples apparently went to sleep mm-hmm. as he was praying. In fact, uh, it tells us in Luke chapter 22 and uh, verse 45, when he arose from prayer, he went back to his disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted uh, from sorrow, and he said to them, why are you sleeping? So apparently the disciples found the comfort of the cool of that cave. Mm. And like many of us, when <laughs> we, they tried to pray. Yeah. They went to sleep. Yeah. This is probably a surprise to a lot of people that – because it, it, that's not how it's depicted. Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane is not depicted – in a cave, <laughs> that's for sure. So that's that's probably a shock to a lot of people. It is. It is. Uh, in fact, a lot of people don't even think of it that way, but it's likely that's exactly where Jesus mm. was with his disciples. Mm. And so the reason they went there, as you mentioned before, uh, was to pray. Jesus thought, based, I mean, based on what he knew was <coughs> going to be coming, he knew that prayer was going to be very, very important here. <coughs> And so he took his disciples with him. They went to this location, and uh, they began to pray. And of course, he he felt this that it was necessary for him to commune with his father during this time. It sure was. In fact, um, if you read the text, and again, it's pretty clear about this because Jesus prayed, "Father, if you're willing, take this cup mm. from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done." So Jesus was wrestling with mm. the reality of what was in front of him. Mm. It was an intense time. Jesus knew that his own death on a cross mm. was just around the corner. And in his humanness, his humanity, mm. uh, the thought of going through the agony of that mm. was almost more than he could endure. In fact, the scripture tells us that as a part of that evening, he sweat what was like drops of blood that fell to the ground. Luke Mm. tells us that in, again, chapter 22. Mm. Now, we're not sure all that Jesus felt, but it was certainly a time of intense agony and heartache. Here he was, perfect God and perfect man. Mm. He was wrestling with the will of the Father, in all that was ahead for him, mm. Hebrews tells us that he was in all points tempted like mm. as we are, mm. yet without sin. Mm. And uh, all of that intensity and agony caused him to sweat drops mm. of blood. Now, the skeptics have said over the years that they weren't even sure that could happen. Right. But more recent discoveries have uh, determined that a process called hematidrosis 
can occur in somebody who is undergoing intense agony in which the, the capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, mm. and that actually causes them to exude blood. All that usually doesn't occur unless an individual is under extreme mm. distress or great physical and emotional stress, mm. which, of course, is exactly what Jesus was experiencing. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing that points to his humanity— as well as his deity, it's probably this moment because he understood as the son of man that he was going to take on the sin of man, that he'd be separated from his father and, uh, you know, in, in the excruciating agony, not just of that, but the, of the physical side that was, that was still to await him. Right. And so this part of Jesus' story isn't simply a narrative. It's not just something, it's just not another event that leads to a next event. It has a lot of significance for us too. It has a lot of personal application for us too. And what would you say would be the spiritual application or lesson that we can learn from this event in Jesus' last hours? Well, I think there are several applications from the example of Jesus. First mm -hmm. of all, mm -hmm. what he did when he was facing the most agonizing moment of his life mm -hmm. was to pray. Well, that's not the first response for us a lot of times, is it? We, we kind of want to fix it ourselves. <laughs> or worry. Yeah. Or complain to somebody True. else. Or fill in the blank, Get right? anxious, right? Yeah. Right, um, fear. But the, uh, the thing Jesus did was he took it to the Father. Mm -hmm. You know, in those moments of heartache and agony that we face in life, prayer really is our outlet. Mm. It is our fuel for our souls yeah. in moments to be in communication with a Father who knows mm. all about what we're going through. We just need to acknowledge in those moments yeah. that He's there. I wonder how how do we get to the point where that's our first response? Wow. You know, where... When we're confronted with something that we know is out of our control, and, and sometimes we talk ourselves into thinking that we, we, you know, we've got this. You know, we've heard this before. We got this. Or if I just try a little harder, if I did, you know, how how do we get to a point where that? How do we develop that discipline of um, making that our first response? Well, when you get there completely, David, would you please come to me and show me? <laughs> yeah, I wish I could tell you that I did that every time. Yeah, um, I, I know that's in. My heart, but I don't always do that. No, that'd be a place for all of us to grow. Boy, that's for sure. It's the truth. Yeah. But there are some other things here that I think that we can take away from the story um, and these events. Not only, I think, is the priority of prayer significant for us, but I think also just the willingness to submit mm. to the Father's plan. Mm. Um, he knew exactly what was ahead for the Son, it was clear. In fact, the scripture tells us even from the beginning of time almost, mm. the Father had a plan about how he would redeem the world through the work of the Son. Yeah. And uh, there was a bigger picture in yeah. mind. Jesus knew it, the Father knew it, and he knows the same for us. Yeah. He knows the plan that he has in place for our lives. So that's another lesson. And I think a third lesson that comes to my mind is just to be faithful. Mm even when it seems impossible. God knows more than we do. I think about the verse that says, uh, when we're tried, we'll come out like gold. Mm -hmm. um, we just need to agree to God's purpose for our lives in those moments. Yeah. I think there's one word that uh, came to my mind as you were talking about all three of those, and that's just the word trust. Hmm. 
when I trust the Lord, I'm gonna, He's going to be my first response. You know, I'm going to I'm going to be going to Him when I when I trust Him. Then I'm going to submit to His will because I'm yep. going to believe that He has you know a better plan for me and be, that He will be faithful to me. Yeah. That He'll help me fulfill that what what I'm going through and what I'm going going to experience is uh, not only ultimately for my my best, but also for the good of the purpose to which He called me. That word trust. And maybe that's what trial does as much as anything. It, it's it's not only a test, but it forges trust for us in our lives. I just think that's so spiritually profound, Bob. Thank you for bringing some of those insights to us from uh, from this experience, because all of us have been there. All of us can point to a time in our life when we've experienced pain. We probably can't point to the same kind of agony that Jesus was experiencing, but all of us can probably point to some realities in our life where it's been difficult for us, there's been heartache, there's been disappointment, discomfort even, uh, discouragement, and uh, and to know that God ultimately, even in our pain, has our best in mind, really is trustworthy. I think I think that and is will ultimately be trustworthy, I think is just huge for all of us. Let's talk about one more thing that one more lesson maybe that this garden experience reveals to us. Uh, we touched on a little bit earlier, but I want to explore it a little bit more. And that is that Jesus is fully man. Yes, fully God. No doubt about that. 100% divine. Uh, never uh, never relinquished any of his divinity, but also fully man. I once heard D. James Kennedy say one time that Jesus was as much man as man can be and as much as God as God can be. He was man's perfect God and God's perfect man. I thought that was a, a really good description of the incarnation or the person of Jesus Christ. Well, that's a great phrase to remember. He was man's perfect God and God's perfect man. Mm. Um, and in fact, because that's true, Jesus suffered as a man. Paul writes to the Philippians that when Jesus came to earth, he laid aside the independent exercise of his attributes mm-hmm. as God. He only would exercise those in, in uh, absolute sync with the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. He laid aside those, um, the independent exercise of those attributes and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. So, he became mm. a man. Mm-hmm. He became a man. And he would die as a man yeah. to identify with us mm. and to sacrifice for us in our place as the perfect God-man. Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 5.19, For just as through the disobedience of mm-hmm. one man many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one many have been made righteous. Mm. So through the death of Jesus as a, the perfect man, he was able to bring to us the righteousness of Amen. God and make that available through his death. Amen. I, I love that statement that Paul made there in Romans 5. And one of my other favorite passages about this is Hebrews chapter 2, mm-hmm. uh, verse 17. The writer says, for this reason, he had to be made like them. Yeah. He had to be made like them fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. He had to be made man in order to make atonement for our sins. And it says, because he himself suffered, 
when he when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Yeah. And so salvation depend with, without Jesus being both God and man, there is no salvation. There's no forgiveness. This truth is absolutely critical to our Christian faith. I mean, we talked about earlier on in 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 our first podcast of this series how uh, all of Christianity hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Uh, and certainly that is true. And yet there is no salvation. There's no forgiveness. There's no freedom. There's no eternal life. None of that happens without Jesus being fully God and fully man. And only... He could do it. Only he could do it. That's right. I love what Paul writes in 1 Timothy. There is one God, there is the deity of Christ, and one mediator, there's the humanity of Christ, Mm -hmm. between God and men, Mm. the man, Christ Jesus. Love that. Great. Great insights. Very significant for us. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk about some next steps for us we've, we've, uh, that, that we can learn, that we can glean uh, for our own spiritual journey that, that, that's coming out of this experience of that Jesus had at the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, I think um, I, I want to uh, just again remind us of the fact that Jesus faced these things as a man. Mm. Um, he faced them as a man. And I need to be willing to consider what God's plan is for my life mm. as well, just like Jesus did. Mm. It, it's not going to require that I do what Jesus did and I never could. Mm. But God has a plan for my life, yeah. and he wants me to follow that plan just as Jesus followed the plan of yeah. the Father for him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, excellent. Thank you, Bob, so much. That's uh, those insights are so great. Really appreciate it. You know, in uh, so we've talked so far about the Last Supper. We talked about the Garden in our next podcast on Jesus' Last Day, leading up to his crucifixion. Uh, we're going to be talking about his trial, and I'm guessing uh, now people might be they might be easily dismissed, but I, I'm guessing there are probably some surprises along the way uh, in this event that's really important for people to understand. And so we'll explore that our next time. And if you don't have a church home, allow me to encourage you to attend Grace Church for Easter, either in person or during one of our online offerings at Easter. And uh, you can find more information about that at our website, of course, worcestergrace.org. That's W-O-O-S-T-E-R grace.org. And for our location and service times, and then also the times that you can participate in one of our online experiences. You'll find a link uh, for all of that uh, in the description below this podcast. Well, I trust our time together has been helpful to you, and I'm glad that you could join us today. And I trust that in some way, your faith has been strengthened and that you're better, better prepared for your faith journey. Remember that Jesus came, that you might have life and you might have it to the full. And our prayer for you is that you will pursue this full life that God has for you.